0: You may have seen the, the slide up there that the youth group is doing the book of James. And again, we're doing James here in our church as well. And part of the reason was so that the, the youth and the adults and parents could interchange. But they're doing Francis Chan, and I am not Francis Chan. Not even close. I have much more hair than he does. And no, he's a great teacher and, and does a great job. But we are still using the same word of God, and we still bring about different things. And James is one of those books it kind of hits you right where you're at, right? It's practical living. It's how we are to live it out as believers. And James doesn't pull a lot of punches. He goes pretty direct, um, but he had to. And he was being a pastor of several small churches in a tough time. And there, most of them were Jewish believers. It's right in the early church. And there was a lot of persecution starting to happen. They were also coming out of the law and all the rules and Again, Jesus kept addressing that in his ministry, right, about he wants our heart. And it's not about following the letter of the law, but it's the heart. And James kind of gets underneath our skin a little bit, and he says, what are some of those motivations that are behind it that we need to obey? We're going to obey if our heart is in the right place. And so that's one of the things that I I love about the book of James, is it kind of speaks to the motivation, because I can follow the list sometimes, but my heart's not in the right place. And so as we were going through this, and we've been going through it, and just for some review, because you guys, a lot of you are visitors today. And so we're glad that you're here. Uh, Andy and Tony, you guys get the gold star for bringing the most people today. So we'll give you credit for that. But as we've been going through this, we looked in James chapter 1, as far as review, we, where do trials come from? Go ahead, not rhetorical. So, you know, I mean, they're all being quiet. When I ask questions, I, I it's usually an answer. They're not rhetorical. So, Bryce, where do trials come from? God, right. Where does temptation come from? Satan. Satan. And what do our conscience come from? Our choices, us, right? Yeah. And so, those three play a, a factor in it. But if we know where things come from, it helps us in our perspective of that. It helps us in our understanding. And God gives us trials. For our benefit. And it's not of our own doing. It's not that we are looking for trials, but God gives them to help prove, uh, to, yeah, perseverance. I'm going to get that word out yet, um, to help improve our faith so that we'll persevere in it and that we'll be stronger in it, and that we will grow in it. We also looked in the second half of chapter one. I told you my, my favorite verse, one of many. I have lots of favorite verses. If you come on a regular basis, you'll figure that out. But that quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, 119, right? God gave us two ears, one mouth. If we use them appropriately, we would probably do much better, right? And, and in our anger, we have problems, right? We, we tend not to be at our best when we're angry. And so God cautions us, and James, through his word, cautions us to be careful in how we interact with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we looked at chapter 2, and chapter 2 um, talked about putting our faith and our deeds so that they match, right? We also talked about favoritism, not showing favoritism to one person versus the other, but that if we have faith, it'll be evident. People will see our faith by what we do. It's an action. Faith is not something you check off of. I believe Christ and and I'm all set and I'm done. Now that's important, but how we live as believers is equally as important. And so that shows up in what we do. Then chapter three came along, right? One of those dangerous things that we have, and it's in our mouth, right? Taming the tongue, we talked about it. And, and God says, God's word says that we have to be careful in how we speak. That's how we communicate, and our actions are important, but our words are important as well. And how can we praise God in one sentence and curse men in the other, right? It should not be, James says. Again, our, our faith and our actions need to match, And then last week, we looked a little bit. We talked a little bit about wisdom as well. And then last week, we looked a little bit about how we interact with each other and how we, as believers, our relationship and how important those things are between one another. So that brings me all the way up to today, chapter four. Lord willing, we are going to finish chapter four today. Yes, I know. We've been in it for a couple of weeks now, but there's a lot in chapter four. But today, we are going to get through... Verses, we're actually going to tip a toe into chapter five a little bit. I've mentioned this, Ike, who does the verses for me, I said, I'm not a big fan of the chapter breaks in these couple of chapters, and so they're not inspired, and so I've kind of moved them a little bit. So, yes, we're going to do the end of four and the beginning of five a little bit. So, if you have your Bibles and you want to follow along, and the title of today's message is Keeping Perspective, which is interesting from Jane's perspective. And believers today, perspective is everything, right? Perspective is how we view something or our situation. But keeping that in perspective is important because it'll govern our actions, it'll govern the way we do things, um, it'll keep our emotions in check. We have to be careful with those as well, feelings and that. So, keeping perspective is the title of this morning. And so, verse 12, where we begin, or verse 11, I should say. And again, I'm kind of jumping into this a little bit, but again, you'll see why, because it kind of follows the same thought as James was bringing it. But he says, brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks about his brother and judges him speaks against the law and the judges. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver, one judge, one who is able to save, to destroy. But who are you to judge? One else, right? And again, speaking about perspectives, when I'm talking about someone else, right? Or I'm slandering them or cutting them down, slander is talking badly about someone. I'm doing it from my perspective. And guess what? My perspective is not right. My perspective is probably tainted. It's probably off center. It's not I'm not walking in the spirit. I'm probably walking in my flesh when I'm speaking bad about someone. And he says, well, who has that right perspective? God has that perspective, right? God knows the heart of that person. Now, as we're going to celebrate communion, Christ died for that same person that I'm cutting down. Again, James is talking about in the church. This is our brothers and sisters, people that we should be worshiping God together, loving each other. And he says, we can't be slandering them. We can't be cutting them down. We can't be making judgments because we're not qualified. We're really not. We're never qualified to see someone's motives or their hearts. Yes, we can see little things. We catch people in bad moments. We catch people in good moments. But to make a judgment on them, quite often when I'm doing marriage counseling, one of the things that I I couple young couples is be careful of the words never. He never does this because that's usually not true. Or she always does that. That's usually not true either. Right? Because again, our perspective is based on our momentary frustration, if I'll call it that in marriages. I don't know. I, we have those. PJ and I have those moments that we get frustrated with each other, but we tend to broaden it out to make our case. And so we'll say, well, she always does something or she, or, and she'll say, he never, never takes out the garbage on time. He, she waits for me to tell him or whatever it is. Again, our perspective gets blown out of proportion, and it's usually born out of our own selfishness. So you say, wow, Charlie, that's a great way to start a message off. You're kind of coming out on heavy, but that's what James does. He hits us, and then he breaks, backs off a little bit, and he'll, he'll kind of soften a little bit, but again, he still wants that message to go through. So look at the next verse. Now listen. Where's my ladies in the back? Hey, listen, ladies, all right? A couple of them said that they, they didn't want me to bore them this morning, so I told them I, would, I could go back there and sit with them and do the message from there, but, I, you know, but James would be saying, hey, listen, the two that are giggling the loudest right now are the ones that were, told me, in case you wanted to know. Now listen, you rich people. Whoops, no, I'm sorry. Now li- I, I actually jumped down myself. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, and spend a year there. Carry on business and make money. Why are a mist, you missed? Know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a miss that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Right, I'm gonna stop right there for a little bit, right? Talk about perspective. Right? And again, he, he kinda slaps us up, say, hey, hey, listen up, pay attention. I, I got something I want to get out here. I want to put another thought together. Today or tomorrow. Again quite often, again, our perspective is if we get looking too far ahead, we can get in trouble. Right? We start worrying about the future. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dabble here in some areas that may be a little bit tenuous, but talking about retirement. All right? Some of you that are in that stage, you know you're busier than you were when you were actually working. But retirement's not a bad thing. Putting away for retirement's not a bad thing. But we have to be careful to keep it in perspective. I think that's what God's word is saying here. And James especially is saying that here. And again, he's addressing people who are investing in the future while they're not living in the present. Did you catch that? Investing in the future but not living in the present. And we all have to be careful of that. And it doesn't mean necessarily with retirement, but just even in our daily lives. He says about boasting about tomorrow. You know, I want to do this someday. And this dear friend of mine, his name was Robbie, and he always said, hey, someday when I get to this point in life, I'm going to do this. And then, you know, that time would come in his life, you know, after the baby was born, and then when they were teenagers and now his, his daughter's out. And guess what? He's still waiting for that someday that he's going to do some of those things. Sadly, that day may never come. Or the things that he wanted to do, he may not be able to do. And it can be the same for our own lives. We have to be careful about looking too far ahead. And then talk about perspective. In case you were thinking long term, he says, You are but mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Right now, the changing of the seasons is a good time, right? You notice the, 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 the water, right? The water is a little bit warmer than the air, and you have that, that mist that comes over first thing in the morning. You go out by about 10 or 11 o'clock. Well, I, I go out on the water. I know some of you don't all go on the water, but I go out on the water, and guess what? It's lifted, it's gone. It just vanishes. Again, because the temperatures have gotten there. And it says, in perspective, that's kind of what your life is like. And in the light of eternity, our life here on earth is pretty small. I've heard it illustrated, you know, it's a long timeline. And if you just put a dot, that's about the, the lifespan of your life. Again, not very encouraging in many ways, but perspective-wise, though, if my life is short, then I need to be purposeful in what I do. I've only got so much time. And i got to be careful not to waste it and not to be thinking that someday I'm going to get to something for perspective. And so really, I have today to do it, and I need to get it done, matter of perspective. And so he likens that to our life. We're just here briefly. In fact, he goes on in the next verse, and he says that. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and we will do this or that. As it is, you boast and you brag. All such boasting is evil, right? So if you're boasting about what I'm going to do tomorrow and planning ahead, again, where's the focus? It's on me, right? I'm saying I'm boasting what I'm doing. I'm not boasting what God's going to do. God's always doing things. and He wants to involve you in that, but you've got to be willing to be used by God. And so that's part of that is, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is your will for me today? Listen, the prayer focus was perfect, right? About God answering prayer. God, what do you want me to do today? What is your will for my life right now? Not future tense, but right now. Moment by moment, decision by decision. What do you want me to do, God? How do you want me to live my life? It's up to you and your will. What is your will for my life? This next verse kind of seems like it's stuck in there, and and again, I, I, I even purposely broke it out because it doesn't really even flow with it, but verse 17 is one of those ones that, and doesn't do as well, it says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. Again, you remember, if you've been going through the book of James, he's been telling us things to do right along. Here's what God wants you to do. Here's what God wants you to do. Here's what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to slander. He wants you to love your brother. All these things. He wants you to tame your tongue. He wants you to put your faith into work. And so if you don't do those things, the consequence for that is it's sin, right? If we don't do what God's will is for us. We sin. I mean, for me, I'm, that's pretty direct and it's pretty plain and simple. And I can, I can wrap my mind around it. To do it's another whole thing, but I can wrap my mind around that. So if God wants me to do something and I don't do it, it's sin. It's black and white, right? That can be easy in many ways, but what does it take to do that? It goes back to following God's will, right? I need to be in prayer. I need to be asking, God, what is it you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? How do you want me to be today, right now? not in the future, not when I get to a certain point in life, but right now, what is it you want me to do? Changes our perspective, right? It brings it pretty narrow. I think that's how God wants us to live. I really do. Day by day, moment by moment, asking him, what is you want me to do? How do you want me to respond? And if I don't do it, it's sin. I need to ask for forgiveness, repent, dust myself off and look for the next opportunity. All right, chapter five. We're going to go a little bit further this morning. and, And again, we did it. We made it through chapter four. I will not preach on chapter four next week. I promise you that, all right? Lord willing, I will not do that. I just had to add that in there because if God tells me to preach on chapter four, I will. But as we're working through this, most likely not. So another one of those, hey, now listen. Listen, ladies, right? Listen, ladies, he's getting our attention again you rich people yes the church even in that day which was small and was frail they had rich people in the church again are rich people evil no certainly not but you got to be it's a caution that comes with it and it says you rich people weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you your wealth has rotted and moss have eaten your clothes your gold and your silver are corroded the corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. But the motivation, all right? Again, rich people are not evil. Having money is not evil. But the motivation, what are you doing with it? It's a perspective. And again, these folks had acquired wealth, but most likely, in light of the context and everything that we've been looking They've done it on the backs of other people. They've done it at the expense of people. Right? Again, working hard and getting a paycheck and being wise in finance, that's not what he's talking about here. But how we do it is important. And then what do we do with that wealth? Again, just like we're that mist, our finances are, are even, probably even less than a mist. Let me think about it. I've been lived long enough that I've seen times when prosperity and we've had money even in our nation, and then we've gone through those recessions. I'm not old enough to know the De- Great Depression. I wasn't here that long ago, so but uh, I don't know that there's anyone here that's probably gone through that all, all the way, maybe a few of you, but there's been recessions. And you know, when, when the, the market has crashed, and how many people are in instant distress, sometimes even suicidal, because they've banked everything on their finances, their wealth. And it can cause a lot of worry, cause a lot of stress about how much we value those things. And again, perspective-wise, he says, it's all going to be gone, right? I have a vehicle like everyone else, right? And guess what? They all rust. They all rot. They all break down. They do not last forever. That's always a good visual for me is, is my truck because it tends to rust out pretty quick, right? But everything in that is in that manner, but we pay our clothes, our clothes wear out. But should we use them? That was a valuable thing in that day. A lot of different things. But again, it all can be taken away. It's just here for a brief moment. It's only new for just a brief moment. Again, why I say it's taken from the, 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 on the backs of others, these next couple of verses kind of bears that out. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached to the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves in the day of the slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not even oppressing. Right. Again, these people had gotten rich, and again, they owned property, and quite often that day, they would hire people to come and, and do the harvest, and then the ex- expectation is if you work, you get paid, right? Kind of do the same thing, right? We, we're all, a lot of us will go to work tomorrow morning, and we work, and eventually on a Friday, we pay or two weeks, or however we get paid. We are expecting to get money for doing that. Well, when you're a poor society, and you're working that day, and you don't get paid, on that day, when they talk about the daily bread, quite often when you're down that tight, if you don't, you don't eat. We kind of lose track of that here in America. We're a little bit different because most of us have refrigerators and we have enough food to last a few days. And most of us can go a week without a paycheck and do, do okay. We're not gonna starve usually within a week. But again, imagine if it was say a month or two months and you're working and you're putting out and yet you're not getting paid becomes a little more real then. These folks are living day by day. And again, these folks have gotten rich because basically they've cheated the workmen. And don't lose perspective here. These are people within the church. James is addressing people that are actually sitting in front of him. You're be pretty rough, right? If you were one of those people, you might start squirming a little bit. You might be a little more uncomfortable, right? And say, man, I owe... I owe Ralph five bucks and you know he did some some work for me and I, I owe him and you know, am I this person? Conviction shouldn't take place. But what about us? Do we have things in our lives that are the same way? Do we have things that we owe a people that we are not diligent in paying back? Or maybe we have no intention of paying back? I talked to quite a few young people, and and again, I, I understand how it happens, but Student loans is one of those things that comes to mind, right? A lot of kids coming out of college, they have big student loans. And their perspective is, I don't have to pay that back. You know, it's going to get washed out. Maybe some politician at some point is going to wipe out that debt. And no, you, you, you did something. You've acquired a debt. You need to pay it back. Maybe in even our own lives, there's some folks that we've had them do some work for us and we haven't them or we didn't pay them what we should have paid them. So again, we can all fall trapped to that. And so James puts that warning here. If you owe you need to pay back. Because again, it's rotting you. It's affecting you and your testimony. That's what he's saying here in the church. So that's this morning. It's It's a lot to go through. But again, a matter of perspective, it should help us in how we live going forward right? If I'm living with Christ in mind, I'm living in his will, then I'm not going to fall in temptation of sin. I'm not going to fall in temptation of slandering. I'm going to live a life that exemplifies Christ. My faith is going to be active. You're going to be able to see my faith. I'm not going to be in debt. I'm going to pay back my debts. And I won't be standing in front of these folks in judgment. So again, there's a lot in here, but it's a matter of perspective. And what's your perspective this morning? Where do you sit on some of these things? Is there conviction? Is there, hey, you know what? I have been worrying about the future and I need to stop and confess that and say, you know what? I'm going to live by the moment in the center of God's will. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we wrestle with the Scriptures. Lord, we all have areas in our lives that we need to continue to work on as believers. Lord, maybe there are some here this morning that are not believers, that they have not come to that saving knowledge of Christ, and Lord, they're expecting that today. Lord, may you draw them in. Lord, as we prepare for communion, Lord, that you would just prepare our hearts. Maybe there's some areas that we need to confess, and Lord, that you would help us to do that so that we may be in right relationship with Jesus' name and in right relationship with each other. And Lord, we do love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.